welcome to For What It's Worth. I've known about furries for a long time before this experience, but I'd never seen it in action. I I, I see the furries at the cons, and I ne- I'm always wondering who is in there. That's the first thing I'm wondering. Is it a man? Is it a woman? An introduction to an exploration of the furry fandom. Wait for just one second until yeah, you guys have pulled out. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> we're pulling out right now, so it's, uh, it's a slow process. <laughs> Guess who is mad the mech rib skip Utah this year? Oh yeah, and like the mechanism that makes the fire blow out of his mouth? That's probably four grand, right? Have you had a party emergency? Got one right now. <laughs> <laughs> when is the new Animaniacs? It's been here for five and a half hours, I got a party <laughs> That's right. Your two gym mat munching fools, Rue and Tugs. Yeah, you know, bend it to the right here. Now, wait a minute, wait a minute. I don't know if I'm necessarily mad that it's gone. I'm pissed. (laughs) I'm pissed. Well, welcome to For What It's Worth, Season 6, Episode 9, Explosive Relationships. That's that's the title you came up with? Bum, 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 yes. Do you want to give it something else? Oh, you could have been like, you set my soul on fire or something. Okay, okay, you set my soul on fire. Yeah. Topic... Abusive relationships and in the ena- fandom. And enablers. And enablers. And enablers, yes. yes. But isn't that uh, an abusive... Never mind. So, uh, what have you been up to? Well, I have been playing the worst Final Fantasy ever. 14? No, that's a really good one. What do you... Oh, oh, what is the worst... Oh, uh, no, no. The worst Final Fantasy ever? That's 13. No, Even the, though it had great characters? The brand new one is so bad. No, I love it. It's really, really good. What are you playing it on? Um, I'm playing it on PlayStation 4, which I've actually heard review that um, that the graphics on the PlayStation 4 is a lot better than, some, no. than the Xbox N- No, ones. I've done, I've looked at side-by-sides. Unless you have a pro, which you don't, then no, they're, they're pretty much the same. Um, eh. The resolution varies oh so slightly. Uh, it, it really doesn't matter. Like that's people just being fanboys. Except that you chose the wrong console. Why? Because. Why do I have to play it on Xbox? Because Xbox I have decided a, that that is the one you should play it on. No, Xbox is a terrible console. I don't care what anybody else says. It's really bad. They really did a horrible disservice to their to their fans in the first generation. I'm sure they probably have fixed it by now, but they had a really shaky shard start at the very shard. Beginning. They had a shaky shard. Yeah, it was a little. A little butt shaking over the bowl. <laughs> Ew. Yeah, it's true. I do have to say, I, I loved my PS4, but with the 1S, the way that they've changed it and repositioned it, I know that they haven't done a good job marketing it. Um, it's, it is definitely better than the first gen. And, and Corey's right. 4K Blu-ray, which I know only like 1% of anyone in the world has, but I happen to be in that percent. Um, I like having high-res movies. You like to be able to see the makeup on on their faces. I want to see every fucking <laughs> cell in Lawrence Fishburne's pores when I watch The Matrix. <laughs> That's I need that. I it's my bag. So um, let's see. And also, I've had some amazing holiday holiday fun. I don't know exactly what holiday fun that I was talking about when I was drunk and I wrote these notes. But yes, it was lots of fun. <laughs> huh. How about yourself? Um, well, I had the flu, so the holidays, I was sick. That was fantastic. Uh, but beyond that, I'm, I'm ready to go to fuck. I mean, FC. 
Is that what they're calling it? Uh, well, you know, we call it bullfuck for BLFC and fuck for, for FC and, you know, ERF was I've, RF. I've never heard that before. Yeah, just pronounce the abbreviations. It's perfect. Yeah. Anything else that you've been up to? Uh, you know what? Being being uh, ill uh, and then just getting ready for FC it literally has consumed all my time. Uh, how long has it been since we recorded? Like three weeks? We recorded like the week before the holiday. So, uh, no, I haven't really had a whole lot go on. Um, I I am just putting it out there um, while I'm thinking about it. Okay, we know. Here's the reality of it. Okay, we know that we have no real way of validating how old you are, but we ask when you listen to For What It's Worth that you be of age, 18. Now, this is the internet, right? So unless you come over to the studio and show me your ID, I can't realistically check. We also have the same rule in our Telegram chat and the same scenario, but we do have to be more strict about it in the Telegram chat um, than you probably think. Like, really, we can't make an exception for you. If you're not 18, please don't join the Telegram chat. I'm sorry. But you're welcome to join when you are 18. Thanks, Daddy Tugs. I, <laughs> I don't it. like lawyers. <laughs> I don't like lawyers. Okay, he doesn't have a microphone. He didn't choose to have one, but we're going to have Koru say hi to everybody because he's with us again, and we know people have been worried. So come over here. Hi. No, no, come on. Get over by the mic. What? Come on. Look, see this? Come over here. Say you're alive. Tell the nice people you're alive. Hello, nice people. I am alive. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, Koru's alive. That's, uh, that's pretty much it. So, let's do this other thing. Will he reuse another one? Is he ready? Is he going to bed with pastries again? It's Ruse Cookie Time, not sponsored by Betty Crocker. Alright, it's that time again. It's Ruse Cookie Time. We're going to open up this lovely cookie and see what's inside. It says, learn Chinese. Sitting. Just kidding. All right, it says... You're dumb. <laughs> Just saying, you're dumb. Well, I could say the lucky numbers, too. No, what's it say on the actual <laughs> site? We're still in the, card, the Cards Against Humanity cookies, right? Faith is knowing there is an ocean when you can only see the stream that in is, bed with the cookie. That is not a Cards Against Humanity <laughs> cookie. You are a bastard. <laughs> it's amazing. Faith is knowing there is an ocean when you can only see the stream in bed with the cookie. I veto everything that just happened somehow. <laughs> Golden showers, you get it? Okay, we hope you enjoyed Potty Break, and uh, we just want to remind everybody that today is brought to you by the letter W. Why is it the letter W, Tugs? I have no idea. That joke. Is that for winning? (laughs) No. (laughs) So who do we have in the studio today? Nobody but Koru. But joining us on Skype is our wonderful resident American-Canadian hybrid, because he's an expatriate, is Nuka. Hello. Yay. (laughs) Nuka, please tell us a little I'm bit glad, about I'm glad you yourself. I'm to say hello. <laughs> oh, what was that? Sorry. 
I was, I'm glad you gave me permission to say hello. Awesome. <laughs> That's what we do. I'm just being so stupid today. But anyways, <laughs> here you go. Here's your first question. Tell us a little bit about yourself and what have you been up to? Uh, well, I am a social psychologist uh, who studies fandoms, fan cultures, fantasy, anything that starts with fan, I guess. Um, and yeah, I'm currently working uh, a postdoc at Iowa State University where I'm studying uh, media immersion and aggression, but that's sort of my boring day job. Uh, by night, I am a furry researcher and I study furries and go around to furry conventions studying furries. Uh, and as of recent, I've been battling bronchitis. <laughs> Oh, no, that's terrible. I am so sorry to hear that. That sounded so canned. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) I'm genuinely sorry you have bronchitis. As a person who's had pneumonia twice and is super susceptible to getting ill from those sorts of things, you have my genuine sympathies. (laughs) Hey, I was was sympathetic before the episode started. You were sympathetic like pleather shoes are a thing. (laughs) (laughs) No, I am sorry to hear about that. But, um... Can you remind us or or our listeners about uh, what episode you were on last? I wish I could. <laughs> oh, what? <laughs> Come on, you've oh, sorry, no, sorry, no, yeah, the last, sorry, the last one I was on. Uh, it was about um, uh, coming out to your family, was it not? Uh, no, as, as furry, as furry. Um, hold on. There's something along those lines. <laughs> no, I'm trying to find the search bar on our new site, which apparently is uh, not there. <laughs> My, there it is. I have to do or to- this. Or to- toxic families or something. Was it toxic, was it yes, it was. It was toxic parents. Okay, which, yeah, okay, so I was close. <laughs> yeah, toxic parents, but your, your episode you're most known for, you know what it is. We've talked about it. Guess. Nope. I don't remember. Are we dumb? Oh yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, I which about that one. I think it was. I have actually. So we have a list on our site. Um, if you scroll down, it is. It's FWIW in 2016. Your episode was the most popular episode last year. The are we are we stupid? So I attribute it more to it being an interesting topic and not to do with your importing Canadians for the show. Hey. We have regular Canadian contact on the show. High fire breath. So, um, what's the meaning of life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a, I'm a psychologist, not a philosopher. A, f- a philosopher? Yes. <laughs> One of Some, those. Did somebody say my name? <sighs> All right. So tell us. Um, so uh, we're talking about abusive relationships. So let's kind of let's get your credentials established. Now I'm not saying you've been in an abusive relationship, but have you been in a relationship yourself ever? Uh, I have been known to occasionally be in relationships. Yes. Okay, and by relationships, we're not talking about friends. We're talking about like Mwah, I love you kind of relationships. Gross, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> So, so from the perspective that you have in your vast knowledge of knowing how society works, um, what do, what what do relationships fulfill? What is the purpose of a relationship in society? Um, okay, so I can t- I can speak a little bit about that, not as a person who's been in relationships, but sort of as a psychologist. Um, people do have a need for uh, sort of close relationships. 
uh, and to be part of close relationships. And so they kind of fulfill that sort of innate need to, to be wanted by people or to feel um, sort of validated by having other people around. So that close connection to others. We're very social creatures. And so that's just part of that sort of broader social need. Well, but why do you feel that society puts so much emphasis on being in a relationship? Um, well, part of the reason that society puts all this emphasis is because it's sort of the bread and butter of how society perpetuates itself. Um, so the idea of, of people having children uh, sort of necessitates two people getting together and, and, and doing the deed. And so relationships are something that are very important, very central to our society's organization because that's one of the ways uh, it perpetuates itself, not necessarily through the relationship, but through the, you know, the, the pairing of, of a man and a woman. Um, don't maybe get the chalkboard and explain that. <laughs> oh, please feel free. We have time. <laughs> Just kidding. So from a biological perspective specifically, though, because I like to think our society has evolved before the 20th of this month to accept that gay people also exist. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And when I'm saying that, I'm not saying that that's the only, you know, uh, those are the only valid relationships or anything like that. Absolutely not. Um, so that's, I think that's one of the reasons why it's such a big, important part of society, but also just because we we naturally gravitate towards other people. And I think that regardless of uh, sort of whether you're straight or gay or whatever you are, you, you know, people tend to be drawn towards other people. And it's pretty natural for people to just gravitate towards other people and, and form these close relationships. So, Rue, when you hear somebody talk about abusive relationships, what comes to mind for you? Um. <laughs> that you can share with the group, that you can share with the class. I know, I know. Okay, so you know exactly where my mind went. Uh -huh. um, you know, I think about friends that have been in abusive relationships, and I think about the, the things that I have tried to do to help them, and uh, no matter what I could do or what I did, it just seemed like that it didn't matter. It just it continued to be there. I see abusive relationships as the same same level as somebody basically hitting somebody else and like you know pummeling them or um you know being physically abusive to me emotional abuse is just as bad even worse sometimes than what physical um can actually do but i don't know what do you think mr tugs um, an abusive relationship is basically either physical abuse or gaslighting the hell out of somebody. Because um, it, it's important to understand that, like, we've all made mistakes in our lives. Um, and we've all committed what could be called abusive behavior. But, I, I mean, like, if you're, if you're doing it all the time, you're an abuser. If you're just, like, you lose your shit one time, that's a little different, you know. I'm not saying that you should go around hitting people one time in your life. But, I mean, it's going to happen. Um, so you you know you go around and and uh, you gaslight and, and I'm you know what gaslighting is? No, I don't. Okay. Explain. Gaslighting is more or less where you basically abuse someone so that they don't believe facts that are true. In fact, I'm just going to Google it because it's an interesting term, and I only became familiar with it recently. Uh, it says to manipulate someone by psychological means into questioning their own sanity. So does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So. Um, so either gaslighting someone or, or hitting them and yeah, sorry, I'm just thinking about, I saw someone that started that was clearly in an abusive relationship and it was kind of sad actually. Um, so is there a psychological definition of, of abuse, Nuko? 
Um, so I, I, I didn't grab my textbook and have a look before this to prepare, but I can say that, at least to, to me, I would suggest that an abusive relationship um, involves aggression towards another. So one, one partner is aggressive towards another partner. Uh, and to be clear, um, when we think aggression, the first thing we think of is violence. So of course, uh, Koru, the first example Koru came up with was, you know, one partner hit, one partner hitting another. You mean person. Rue? <laughs> or, sorry, there. Yeah, I'm having a. a it's moment. okay. <laughs> sorry, uh, Rue um, uh, said that. So, and definitely, the the physical aggression is the first thing that comes to mind. But what a lot of people kind of overlook or don't take as seriously, which is unfortunate is that there are many ways you can be aggressive towards another person besides just being physical. So you'd also suggested verbal aggression. Um, so the idea uh, of saying mean or hurtful things to another person, it's called just recognized relational aggression. So things like trying to, if I go behind someone's back and try to destroy their relationships or spread rumors about them or sabotage them on social media, that's an entirely different form of aggression. Um, and all of these different kinds of aggression contributes to um, what, I, what I would think is an abusive relationship. And like Tugs pointed out, um, you know, doing an aggressive action towards someone else while undesirable, that's not necessarily an abusive relationship. I think it becomes abusive when it becomes a systematic or regular component of the relationship. Once it becomes a normal and established part of the relationship, then we're getting into sort of abusive territory. And that's not even delving into how much more complicated aggression gets. We could talk about the difference between active aggression, which is I'm actively doing something to to hurt you, uh, but also passive aggression, which is the idea of I'm not gonna point out that there's broken glass in front of you, so you step in it. You know, Even though I haven't done anything to you, my lack of doing something to you has caused you to become hurt. So if I refuse to uh, communicate with you, if I refuse to open up to you or show any kind of warmth or, or love towards you, that is, in itself could be considered abusive as well. So, um, and these are a lot of the things that kind of get lost in the mix when we only focus on physical uh, abuse. Why do you think that that, um, well, actually, I know the answer to that, but, and maybe you can um, expound on about this, but, um, you know, the reason why that physical relationships are looked at a lot more is because that's something that you can see. You can see that somebody has been hurt. You can see that they're that they're bleeding or, or whatever. You can see the bruises, but when it's emotional pain or emotional abuse, you can't see those scars. Yeah, that's exactly right. With physical abuse, there there's scars and there's evidence for it. It's really easy to see a black guy or to see someone trying to, you know, someone's got a broken bone. That's pretty pretty easy to recognize. Um, but it's, it's, it's a combination of you can't see these things physically, you can't see emotional scars, but also as a society, we tend to downplay things that aren't physical. So even when it comes to things like psychological illnesses, um, you know, if a person's got a cold, we feel sympathy for them. When they've got depression, we tell them to suck it up. Um, and so I think it's the same thing with, with physical and emotional abuse. When someone says they're abused, um, you know, oh my gosh, I don't see any scars. Is he hitting you? And you go, well, no, it's you know, they're saying mean things. And you, people roll their eyes or go, oh, well, I thought it was real abuse. Like they don't consider that to be real abuse. And I think a lot of the people who are experiencing it um, may sort of talk themselves into thinking they're not being abused or that they can't go to anyone uh, to talk about it because they won't be taken seriously unless they've got a black eye. So psychology 101, 101 you learned a term called battered wife syndrome what is that 
called? Or what is that definition? I think it's more of like a 201. So you'll, uh, can you, I, I will say that I teach like one one I actually haven't heard the term. Can oh. you describe oh, okay. the gist of it? I mean, I, I may know what it is and just not have heard that term for it before. Oh, okay, so... It's, it's kind of like Nightingale Syndrome, isn't it, Rue? I, I think that's what it is. It's, it's basically like battered wife syndrome is the... Um, the wife continues to like, for instance, the the husband's hitting on the the wife basically, but she continues to come back to him oh, no matter what. Oh, to defend or to go back or mm-hmm. to yes, just it's the okay. ICD nine code nine ninety five dot eight one. That means even less to me, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, so surprisingly, I haven't memorized it. But um, no, okay, I see what you're saying. I hadn't heard it called that before, but yeah, no, I know what you're talking about. So it's yeah. So why do people? In abusive relationships, continue, you know, why do they stick around, or why do they continue to sometimes even defend um, their abusers? Yes, and, and so you're asking why, or is that what the question was, or yeah, that that's what I was asking. Yeah, um, so there's sort of a, a bunch of different reasons. I think one of the big reasons is that um, people are reluctant, I guess, to um, give up relationships. So the longer you're in a relationship for. Um, the more it becomes an important part of who you are. Uh, a lot of psychology shows that you know our close friends and our close relationship partners become a part of who we are. And if you're with someone for three, four, five years, they become deeply entrenched in, in your identity. And so this idea of kind of getting rid of it or pushing it away entirely is like very, in a very real way, losing a part of yourself. And so it can be very hard to just say, oh, he, hit me, he hits me, so I'm, I'm out of here. Um, so instead, you try to find ways to, to justify it, to defend it, to try to say, well, it wasn't so bad this time. You try to find ways essentially to stick around because the pain of losing a close relationship is, is something that's really averse to most of us and that we don't uh, find to be a particularly fun thing. Um, also because we, we do have this idea of, of what the um, – it's going to sound horrible, but what the quote-unquote ideal um, domestic abuse victim looks like. So if the person has a – broken nose and a bloody uh, or broken nose and a black eye we think oh that's what the stereotypical abuse victim looks like uh, and so they may think well I don't look like that it hasn't gotten that severe I haven't had any bones broken or haven't had a, an eye blackened so I feel kind of silly or like I, I shouldn't be um, uh, it's almost like I don't, I, I don't have the right to call myself an abuse victim because I'm not abused enough and so they start to say well maybe it's me or maybe it's it's um, you know, uh, maybe it's not so bad and I'm just not, you know, uh, not very strong or I'm, I'm being whiny sometimes. Um, and there's a whole bunch of reasons why I, I couldn't list them all here, but there's a myriad of reasons why people may choose to defend their abusers or to downplay uh, the significance of their abuse. Have you uh, been friends with anyone who's been in an abusive relationship? Th- that's me or? Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, unfortunately, yes, um, and it's it's exceptionally fresh. It's, yeah, it's very frustrating because, on the one hand, you want to like the first thing you want to do is run in and, and take that person out of it, um, but you know that's that's not really your your necessarily your right to do to go in and dictate a person's relationships for them. But on the other hand, you're 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 watching this happen and thinking how how can I convince you that this isn't right, that this isn't normal, that this this isn't something that you should allow to happen to you and it, it does take its toll to, to, to watch it happen and, and feel kind of powerless to do anything ultimately despite your your protestations you you see people going back to it over and over again what did you end up doing 
Um, so in this case, it was making it clear. And I, I again, this is speaking uh, outside of my area of expertise now, so I can only speak of. But in this case, um, I made it clear to the person that I was I was here that this wasn't conditional, that it wasn't like um, either you you leave this person or I leave. It wasn't any of that kind of contingency. It was, you know, I'm always here for you no matter what happens. Um, you know, never feel afraid to, to come to me if you want to talk about this. Um, and keeping my eye out for anything that I could, I guess anything that I, I could jump on and use to, to um, uh, I, I guess, use to sort of reinforce this idea that this is abuse. So it's like, well, remember with the time this person did this to you, that's abuse. Try to build my case essentially to hopefully convince this person that what was happening was what was definitely abuse. Like, hey, you know, this has happened three times in the last month. You might not be making that connection, but I, you know, standing on the outside, I can see it happening. It's a pattern and it's continuing to happen. So yeah, I guess that was what I what I did. And it, it may not, you know, it's it's really hard to decide things like, oh, should I, you know, should I call the police? Should I? and it's really hard, you know, if you call the police and they show up and nothing's happening there, well, um, then it 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 looks bad there and you never know if you know call the police get them involved if uh if uh, it's going to worsen things between the two people or um so it's, it's a really rough spot to be in and i guess there's no um fix all simple clean answer to the question and and i i know that there's no way that you could answer all the questions within these this one episode <laughs> and each case is going to be different and yeah. Um, but overall, as a general approach, is there any advice that you, any other advice that you would you would give to somebody that, hey, I'm in this issue. My friends are, you know, they're in this abusive relationship, and I don't know what to do. You know, or yeah, or so maybe that person is in that that relationship and they're trapped, and they don't know how to get out. So yeah, so there's, there's a big difference between a person who is, is denying that it's happening and, and, and will fight you on the fact that it's happening and a person who recognizes it and wants to get out. So for the person who recognizes it and wants to get out, um, that's when you can do things like approach the police because they're probably more willing to, to tell the police what are going on and to offer them a place to stay or to um, get you know try to find a way to get this person out of this relationship. Again, you have to be very careful about doing that when the person is going to vehemently deny that anything's happening, because again, any action that you try to take, if you, if you overstep your sort of bounds there, might end up pushing the person further away or making their situation worse. If, if their abusive partner finds out that they're talking to other people about this, it may just worsen things, right? Which is the last thing you want to do. Um, but another thing that might be helpful too is um, getting them access to, to support. So if you if there's nothing you can do, you might uh, be able to contact um, support networks or, or resources for uh, people who are in abusive relationships, people who can um, provide the kinds of resources or the kind of assistance uh, that might be necessary to help this person out. There are helplines, there are organizations that exist. Um, for example, uh, people who are the victims of domestic abuse, there are shelters uh, that they can go to to try to get away from these unfortunate situations. Uh, so putting them in touch with those kinds of resources uh, can be very helpful. Awesome. Well, we are going to take a short break here, um, there, and then we're going to come back and continue our discussion about abusive relationships. We're going to be going into how 
Um, we can see the signs of, you know, who may be abusive. Um, how how is it that people get trapped into the those sort of relationships? And we'll also be talking about um, your emails. Yes, your emails that you've sent in. Hailing frequencies open. Smokescale Aquatus here with another round of news for you. As of Wednesday, January 4th, 2017, here are your space headlines. It's a brand new year, and we're already starting off with a bang. NASA just announced today two new exploration missions designed to probe the early solar system by looking at specific targets that are believed to hold evidence of the formation of our home system. First up is Lucy, so named for the famous 3.2 million year old Australopithecus. Lucy is scheduled for launch in 2021. The observation mission won't begin until it arrives in 2025 and last as long as 2033. It'll be headed to Jupiter's Trojan asteroids. That's a large cluster of asteroids that orbit around Jupiter's L5 Lagrangian point. That's a point in Jupiter's orbit 60 degrees behind it where the gravitational pull between Jupiter and the Sun are equal, so you can just sit there and not expend fuel and you'll stay in position relative to Jupiter. There's another cluster 60 degrees ahead in the L4 Lagrangian point called the Greek asteroids though the term Trojan can refer to any body that's captured in one of these two Lagrangian points for any large enough body. Mars has Trojans, as does Neptune, and recently scientists identified an asteroid that's a Trojan for Earth. Lucy is going to build on the success of both New Horizons and OSIRIS-REx, using similar, though refined, instruments to better observe the various bodies it encounters. There are six specific targets Lucy will approach and observe. These are dark bodies that scientists believe were pulled into Jupiter's orbit during the early days of the solar system, so they're supposedly made of the same primordial material that the outer planets are made of. They may even contain important organic molecules. Next is Psyche, which will hopefully give us insight into the inner workings of our planet's solid core. There's a 210-kilometer-wide asteroid in the main belt that's composed almost entirely of iron and nickel, much like the core of the Earth. Scientists think this asteroid, called 16 Psyche, is an exposed core from a planet that lost its exterior during the violent beginnings of the solar system. It's located roughly three times the distance from the Sun as Earth, or three astronomical units. They believe it could have once been a planet as big as Mars, but didn't survive the destructive environment that forged all of our planets. If that's indeed what it is, getting a look at an exposed planetary core would be tremendously enlightening in understanding the fully formed rocky worlds, ours included. Psyche is scheduled to launch in 2023, then get a gravity assist from Earth in 2024, then fly by Mars in 2025, then it'll reach the asteroid by 2030. On top of all of this, NASA has extended funding for the Near Earth Object Camera, or NEOCAM, project for a whole additional year. This is a project that examines the space near and around Earth looking for objects that could be potentially hazardous. And it hasn't even launched yet. It's scheduled to go up in 2021. It's going to be perched at the Earth-Sun L1 Lagrangian point, immediately between Earth and the Sun. The probe is still being constructed and there is monetary incentive for them to utilize laser-based communications, just like what has been tested on the ISS. The benefit? Traditional data relay methods mean it would take 10 minutes to transfer a video back to Earth, but with an optical relay, it can do the same thing in only 3.5 seconds. NeoCam, if chosen, will replace the current system in service, the NeoWise mission. So yeah, already NASA's getting ready to wow us with some amazing science. Three new probes in development, all set to be launched in the early 2020s, and they'll all be studying asteroids. This isn't just really cool, it's also really important. We need to be aware of what's buzzing around out there. Famously, it's said it's not a question of if, but a question of when we will get hit by the next killer asteroid. 
We're in a crucial point in time where we have the capability to develop the technology to stop these world-ending events, and it can be as easy as parking a satellite in a very specific orbit, and using the satellite's own gravity to ever so slightly shift the asteroid's trajectory so that it misses rather than hits. Small moves at a distance add up to big changes later on when you're talking about orbital mechanics. That's all this time, the first space news of the new year. Only four days in and already something incredible has come down the pipe. For more on space and space-related matters, check out the social media for all the agencies and companies mentioned. And don't forget to check out my long-form podcast, Committed to Launch, at committedtolaunch.com and at launchcommit on Twitter. If you've got a question about space, send it on in. Until next time, this is Smokescale Aquatus saying keep looking up, space fans. You're listening to For What It's Worth. And welcome back. We hope you enjoyed your space news. If you like space news, be sure to go and check out Committed to Launch. It's Committed to Launch dot address. I don't remember what the dot part is. Anyways, uh, there's a link to it, but it's Smokey's uh, podcast if you want expanded super space news. Um, super, super. I know. Space also, um, it's time for this thing. Today's episode of For What It's Worth is brought to you by our wonderful Patreon patrons. And so far, the only one who keeps buying time to hear his name said over and over is Oaken. So, we all give you a comrade salute, Oaken. Thank you. If you want to donate, go to patreon.com slash fwiw. So, back to our topic. We're going to be talking a little bit more about abusive relationships. So, Nuka, before we get back into that topic, we have an email that a listener sent in to us. Oh, yes. And that is... Mathalmes. Yes. And do you happen to have that ready, I do. I do. She said, hello, Rude, Tugs, and the rest of the cast. It's me again, Mathalme Lion. Pure coincidence that this episode is about abusive relationships because just Tugs just helped me end mine. I'm just taking issue with how she phrased that because that's not what happened. Um, to catch the rest of you up, I was dating my ex for one and a half years and it worsened as it got further. We fought over a lot of stupid things and I found myself always wanting to take the blame. But in the last couple months, he wanted to see other men because he felt real. He wanted to feel a real penis and I'm a pre transition trans man. I let this to happen because I felt bad, but it was wrong too. He refused to tell me who he was sleep, who he was sleeping with and when. And in these past few weeks, he's been suicidal. I've tried to be as supportive as possible, and this is when I reached out to Tugs. He told me to call the police on him for a welfare check, but as soon as I mentioned it to my ex, he said he would never talk to me again. It was then I knew my relationship was a lie. Then he wanted to take a break to figure himself out, and we did. For the week, we are in a break. We told everyone how our relationship looked or everyone told me how our relationship looked from the outside. He was controlling me mentally. I couldn't do anything without his permission. My friends supported me, but not him. As of today, 1218, I've officially ended any chance of us getting back together. Now I'm in a new relationship with a guy who incidentally was my ex's master and we were going to do adult things with, but he's so sweet and helped me through all this shit. I'm so sorry for the long email, but I want to thank Tugs for the help he's given me through this tough end of my relationship and to my new mate Nero, who was by my side the whole time. And uh, I hope this helps with the episode showing abusive relationships are more than physical abuse. Your newly freed lion friend, Mafalme. So I guess I get first privilege, huh? 
You do because you read it. I did. Um, so what happened is this: uh, this kind of started this conversation between Mathalma and I right about the time that um, we released our special release about Koru, and um, you know because it was it was a suicide threat. We we kind of discussed it, and basically, I, I would give this advice to anybody. You know, you shouldn't ever be forced to be someone you're not. So in this case, I asked Mathalma, "Is this the lion that you are?" Um, and I just kind of left it at that, you know, and ultimately, uh, you mean it played out the way it played out and, uh, I'm glad that Mofome is, is doing a lot better. Um, because yeah, I mean, it was, it was from my perspective, I thought it was very gaslighty, very attention grabby and not okay. Um, but that, that's my reaction. I'm passing to you, Rue. So that there was one little thing that, that I, uh, wanted to point out and, that is when you're in a relationship, especially something that's abusive or um, or tragic or, or whatever it may be, um, just be careful. I know that um, I know that that it worked out for for you as far as um, you dating um, or now in a relationship with the master. And I'm not trying to say what you're doing is wrong, and that's not what I'm trying to say at all. I'm just trying to let people know that. You know, when you're in a, an abusive relationship or any sort of a relationship and you, you break up break up with somebody, um, it's always good to give it a little bit of time. That's my personal feelings is give it a little bit of time. So then that way, um, you know, you don't fall back into another abusive relationship so that you can have time for yourself and figure out what you want and what you're, what you need. And then go with that instead of just, oh, this person likes me. Oh, this person loves me. And then jump into this so that you don't have that gaping hole that's in your heart, which I I know that that's not what anybody wants. But anywho. I think you made perfect sense. What's your thoughts? Who, Nuka? Nuka. Yeah. Um, So I think that one of the one potentially illustrative point from this story is that it can be hard to sort of draw the line between what's abusive and what's just a, a really sh- terrible relationship. You can swear. Um, okay. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't remember what the rules were. So what's, what's a really shitty relationship. Um, so, and, and I think that it's, it's, it's useful to not necessarily get hung up on the, the labeling of it. So, um, if one wanted to use the uh, description that an abusive relationship is one where there's direct aggression towards another person, you could argue, well, um, what's the relationship partner directly trying to aggress towards this other person? And you can quibble over those sorts of things. The reality was this was a relationship where quite clearly this w- it was having a detrimental effect. And that's really the more important thing. And I think if you get stuck on, well, you know, I don't know if it's abusive or not, that's, that's the wrong question. The better question is... Why are you staying around if it's a net loss for you? If it's if if, if it's causing you distress, uh, that's the bigger question. Um, so I, I think that's again one of the reasons why people who uh, experience uh, a verbal or emotional abuse um, may persist in relationships because they may not even realize that it is abuse, or they may say, "Well, I don't know if it's if it counts as abuse. I don't know if this person is deliberately doing this to me." At that point, I would say it doesn't 
really matter whether they're doing it deliberately or not. The fact is you're you're in a relationship that's taxing on you, that's that's taking its toll on you. So Nuka, what Stop. <laughs> So Nuka, what are those signs of being trapped in the, those abusive relationships? What are um, yeah? Go ahead. So I'm not I'm not sure if there's like a, uh, an estab- again this is outside of my area of expertise. I'm not sure if there's uh, uh, an official list of symptoms, um, but I guess I would sort of not, not even signs to an outsider watching or to a person who's in a relationship. Um, you know it overall roundabout. What are some of the signs of being in an abusive relationship? So I guess for okay, so what? How how can I tell if I'm in abuse in an abusive relationship? Yeah, so I would I would say that uh, at very least you can say if it's a toxic relationship or if if your relationship is continuously making you feel bad about you, because um, I mean remember when I said at the very start of the 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 cast that this was that a relationship is supposed to be something that makes us feel good. It's supposed to be something positive. Uh, our relationships are a source of social support for us. So when we're down, our our partners and the people that are around us are supposed to be there to help pick us up. Uh, we gain strength for them. So if you're in a relationship where you're constantly giving more than you're getting out of it, where you're, where it's it's becoming a net loss for you, where you're you're continuously being taxed, you're continuously feeling bad about yourself, and and you know, or, or continuously getting hurt emotionally or physically or socially, then that's a good sign that you know, regardless of of whether or not you can establish that the person's doing it on purpose, this is clearly a toxic relationship that you probably shouldn't be in it, it it sounds really easy when i put it that way but that's ultimately what it comes down to is making a value call about am i getting more out of this relationship than i'm putting into it at any time it starts to fall into that negative category where i'm i'm clearly getting the worst end of this relationship um and it's not looking like it's going to change anytime soon then that's the time where i'd start to to if, if not uh, abusive, then at least consider it to be it's toxic to you. It's it's not good. It's doing you harm to be in it. It's unhealthy. Yeah. So, um, this is here's here's really why I wanted to have you on um, is because the the what spurred spurred this episode was the, this behavior we've noticed where um, someone says in the fandom, "I'm being I was being abused." Um, not necessarily in a malicious way. They just simply state that they were being abused. Everyone happens to know who the partner was. And then uh, we then we call it the fools rush in and immediately start defending this potential abuser. And, you know, it, it turns into this vicious loop. And why why do we do this? Do we do this? I, that's what you're going to tell me, right? Do we do this? <laughs> Yeah, so it's you've hit at one of the points I was I was hoping to get to this episode actually was there, there's a real it's it, this is a particularly big problem in the furry fandom so abusive relationships are a problem to begin with but because there's so much um, so many people find their partners through the fandom and the fandom is such a big interconnected group um, it becomes a particular problem uh, when you run into abusive relationships in a fandom environment like this because now. You, both you and your, your your abuser are friends with everyone around you. You all have the same friends or you're all part of the same social network. So any accusation you label towards them, um, you know, you put people in kind of a bind because on the one hand, if they're friends with both of you, well, okay, do I take the side, you know, do I, do I help my friend who, who's being hurt or do I defend my friend who might potentially, who's, who's having an accusation leveled at them? 
uh, we like to think that we're friends with good people. And so um, whenever someone levels an accusation towards someone who's your friends, your, your sort of gut instinct, I guess, would be to, to defend them because otherwise you would have to acknowledge that, well, maybe I associate with someone who's not necessarily a good person or who's doing something harmful. And that's not a fun thought to have. Um, so I would say that this definitely does happen in the furry fan. And I can see why people would be, uh, would hasten to run and defend, um, potentially the abuser in part because, well, maybe this is your friends. And again, it's uncomfortable to, to acknowledge that abuse happens or that, you know, this, this negative treatment of others definitely happens. Um, so yeah, it's definitely there. And it's unfortunate just because I'm saying that's what happens doesn't mean it's right. It's absolutely not right. Um, and it's sort of one of the, the minds that we have to be aware of uh, when dating within the fandom is that if, if all of your friends and all of my – if, if we're all from the same social circle, we're all going to the same friends, which means that breakups or relationship issues are necessarily going to be particularly thorny because of that. So uh, two questions come to mind. But I, I, so have you – is this something that's more prevalent in the fandom? Uh, so we don't have numbers specifically on it, but I would wager pretty considerably. I would be pretty confident in saying that, yes, uh, not necessarily abuse happening more in the fandom, but um, this tendency to um, for people to either be apathetic towards abuse when it happens or to maybe even rush to defend the, the abuser um, for exactly this reason, because there's so much, I don't want to say interbreeding, but within the fandom, there's, you know, if it's the same local group of 30 furs. You know, when they get together, break up, get together, break up, you have everyone's friend with with everyone. It makes it more likely that the situation could happen. So the second question then is, is it better to date outside the fandom? Is that is that the solution? Uh, I'm hesitant to make an all or nothing. So, so the, I mean, if this is the only issue that's important to you, then I would say that, yeah, this is probably less likely to happen if you date outside the fandom. That said, there are plenty of reasons to date within the fandom as well. Finding people with common interests or uh, finding people who you know know that you're a furry. So that kind of gets that out of the way really early. So I, I wouldn't rush to make a blanket judgment about whether or not you should date within the fandom. But if you're going to date within the fandom, this is certainly something to be aware of. Hmm. Hmm. That's, that's highly, highly interesting. Yeah, I mean, it, it's one of the reasons why... Um, they say don't uh, date at the workplace, right? Because at the end of the day, you may break up with this person, but you're going to have to see them uh, at work every day. You're going to have to ultimately their friends are your friends at the office. So it becomes really hard to get a clean break. And that becomes you know a problem or a bigger problem tenfold if it's an abusive relationship uh, because that just uh, throws a monkey wrench into it and it makes it that much worse. If you have to get away from this person, not only – are you is, is that a bad situation? But now you run the risk of alienating everyone, you know, in the fandom as you're, you know, trying to get away. Like, not only am I losing this relationship, but I'm potentially losing friends in the fandom as well. So it's kind of a double whammy. Do you think that the reason why that it gets so blown out of proportion when breakups tend to happen? Because I've had a breakup that's happened that's a, that's pretty much almost like blown up my local community. <laughs> That was bad. It was really, really terrible. It, it really shook our local community. It was, it was bad, and um, uh, I, I lost my question. I was well. It's, it's so it suggests that yeah, when when you're dating within a, a small enclosed group like this, there's 
there's the potential for fantastic harmony. Like, hey, you know, uh, when you're dating your best friends and your best friends' friends are also your friends, that's fantastic. But it also has the potential to go really wrong as well. If if you break up with a person and all your friends are also their friends, what happens? That's the because then the people really... feel like that they need to pick sides and yeah stuff like that. So it's it definitely has that potential to go sour. And I think when people talk about quote unquote drama in the fandom, I mean this is the sort of this is definitely a source of that. I don't say drama to trivialize it. I'm saying you know drama as a, you know there, there's there's some kind of problem, social problem within the fandom. I, so I go ahead. Sorry, I would say that would be the source. That's one possible source of it. So I I'm having this. I, this is a slight detour, but it's still about relationships, but in the larger context, not romantic ones. Um, there are people who I'm I'm going. I'm trying to decide, but I don't think I'm going to try and name names. I think I'm going to try and be. People will figure this out pretty quick. But we have people out there that are sociopathic that enter into you know friendships, so a different kind of relationship, right? And, and they get a joy out of pushing people's buttons to the point where it could be considered abusive, where, where the courts have become involved, where restraining orders get put in place. So this isn't your average, ha, 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 I'm an internet troll. This is like people go to jail over this kind of thing. And, and, we're, and I see the same people going, oh, well, they're not that bad sort of thing. Now, is, it, is this related to the same sort of thing where it's like we don't want our group to be, to be filled with bad apples? Yeah, so the, yeah, there's a, a tendency to – we have a, an innate psychological bias to want to see ourselves and the groups we belong to as positive places. No one likes to think they're a jerk. No one likes to think that their groups suck. Um, and so, yeah, in the same way that we're, we don't want to necessarily acknowledge that our relationship partner might be doing something ill to us or hurting us, in the community, it's painful sometimes to admit that, yeah, sometimes a jerk gets in. Sometimes – People in our community do some really horrible, wretched things to one another, um, and it's a lot easier to turn a blind eye to it and pretend it's not there than to call it what it is and say, "Ugh, guys, this isn't fun to to think about." But like, we got a real problem here. Um, so, to, so how do we avoid then? And I, this this is probably more a hypothetical question than a scientific one. But how do we avoid being that asshole? Like, if I if I know, so let's say this person that I'm talking about. Let's say that I'm in a discussion somewhere and I go, no, this person is a genuine, bona fide, abusive asshole. Then people are going to think I'm an asshole for saying that. So how do I, how do I avoid that? Do I, does it help to know why people would think that about me? Uh, I mean, ultimately, I, again, it's, it's a very powerful bias. This, tend, this, this desire to want to see our friends and those around us as being positive is incredibly powerful. And I mean – I like to think people are rational. I like to think that if you can make a case for it and, and say, here's the evidence for it, people will be rational. But I mean, it's just, uh, psychology's told us anything. It's that people are far from rational. Um, sometimes it's, it's a matter of um, taking a personal stand against it. If someone's being a very toxic person uh, in a community, it's a matter of, of taking a principal stand and saying, look, I on principle, I'm not going to talk to this person anymore. I'm not going to go to events where they're at. I, you know, uh, ultimately you're only really in control of your own behaviors, your own actions. And you got to hope that people around will, will recognize that. And hopefully if you made your argument compellingly and you take a principled stand, hopefully people will come around. The, the one thing we do know from psychology is that it's really hard to break a consensus, but as soon as one person comes forward and breaks that consensus, it becomes a lot easier for other people to do the same thing. So we use the term toxic people. 
And I, I know that I'm backpedaling just a little bit, but um, a lot of people don't really know what toxic people and what it means. So I pulled this up real quick and it says toxic people defy logic. Some are blissfully unaware of the negative impact that they have on those around them. And others seem to um, derive satisfaction from creating chaos and pushing other people's buttons. Either way, they create unnecessary, unnecessary complexity, strife, and worse of all, stress. Yes, I mean, I'll point to that toxic, saying toxic people isn't a psychological term. It's more of a, a sort of lay, a lay term. But yeah, I, I would sort of agree with the, the assessment that, you know, it doesn't really matter whether this person is doing it um, intentionally or not. And, and, and to tie it back to the whole abusive relationship thing, I think that's very important too. Um, oftentimes, especially if you're the victim of, of abuse, it can be really easy to fall into the trap of using an explanation for a person's behavior as an excuse for it, of saying, oh, well, they're this way because they came from an abusive family or because uh, uh, this person hits me or shouts at me because they had a really bad day. Or So you make excuses for them and it's really easy to say, well, here's a very valid sounding explanation for their behavior. Therefore, but then they jump to the illogical conclusion, therefore it's okay. Therefore, it's acceptable that they do this. Yeah, I, I hear that all the time. Like, especially like, I mean, I work in a in a community where um, I work with disabled people where they have these things called behaviors, and um, it's like, oh, it's okay, he has Asperger's, the, you know, or oh, it's okay, he has um, this particular disability. Yes, this is his disability, and but that's still not an excuse for him to be hitting somebody or for him to be, you know, screaming his head off at somebody else. Yes, that person does have a disability, but at the same exact time, you know, it, it can't be, I, I don't feel like that it can be used as an excuse. Um, especially when you do have, con when, when they have control, when they have control. Yeah, I think you start to get into very dicey territory when you start talking about this stuff. I guess the, the idea is, um, I'm not saying that a person, you know, we know from, from psychology, the aggression research is very clear that a person who's been abused or a person who has a certain background is absolutely more prone to aggressive behavior. Mm -hmm. We can also say that, hey, people with certain conditions are absolutely more predisposed uh, to this kind of behavior. It doesn't make it guaranteed, but it makes them more likely. And we can even say, we can even go as far to say that um, it's not necessarily their fault. But the point is from the, the person who's being abused, from their standpoint, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether this is intentional, whether they control it, whether they can't. It's The point is, is it, it doesn't matter. The, you need to get out of there. And that, that's, that's the much more important point to be made is uh, explaining the behavior doesn't make it okay, doesn't make it something that you have to put up with. Um, even if you could explain it 100% and say this is absolutely outside this person's ability to control, they hit me because of this, that, and the other thing, they hit me because they were on drugs and it made them feel that they had to do this, it doesn't matter. The fact is, this is a situation where you're getting hurt and you need to not be there anymore. <laughs> So, uh, I guess uh, so many questions. This is amazing. Um, so, is someone who's abusive, um, do we, would they typically be found having uh, some kind of a mental illness? 
Um, again, I, uh, this is a little outside of my area of expertise. I would not necessarily say that. I would say that there are certain things that can predict aggressive behavior. Um, so we know that having a history of being uh, abused or being subjected to aggression can make you more likely to be aggressive. Uh, we know that there are certain biological factors that contribute to aggression as well. So for example, people who are higher in testosterone are more likely to be aggressive. Uh, we know that there are certain brain pathologies that can make a person more uh, aggressive. So there are certainly some things that can predispose a person to aggression. So when psychologists, oh, sorry, go ahead. What's a brain pathology? Uh, so something wrong with your brain there, you know, uh, oh, so okay. if we're talking about, yeah, we're talking about a psychopath that might be damaged to the, some part of the prefrontal cortex or, um, some neurochemistry problems, some, something wrong with the brain. Okay. So yeah, psychologists, when we think about aggression and I, I do treat this in a lot of ways, like an aggression issue, um, aggression psychologists think about it in some ways, like a, a cup or a glass and a lot when you get, you get aggression when the glass overfills. And so a lot of things can put water into that cup or that glass. So, you know, if you have an abusive childhood, that's like adding a whole bunch of water to that glass. If you um, had a really bad day at work, that's like adding a bit more water to that glass. And so a lot of things add water to that glass. So a person's aggressive behavior can be explained by a lot of different things. In the end, on the, the victim side of things, all that really matters is that that cup overfilled. Overfilled. Didn't think, really matter what went into it. Didn't you do a get psyched on that? I think you did, didn't you? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Mm, good. On the psychology of aggression. See, people need to listen to your segment. That's really what what this is. This is just a subtle ad, is what this is, right? Clearly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, we have emails. Um, I'm going to read this one. This is from Vulture One. I don't, I don't know who this is. Um, he says, "Hi, I don't know if this is considered abusive or not, but I'll let you, the host, be the judge of that." Well, that's not a very good choice. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself, though. I'd rather not identify myself because of the subject matter. But please know, I plan on listening to the podcast. Now, onto the subject at hand. I made it to someone who I felt a deep spark of love for in the past, but it's dwindled over time. I still love them, but sometimes I wonder if I'm doing the right thing by being with them. They struggle with depression and suicidal thoughts and feelings, and I'm afraid that if I leave them, that they might hurt themselves. But I'm also afraid of telling them how I feel. I feel burnt out in the relationship, but I don't want to leave them for the reasons listed above. I want them to be happy, but at the same time, I want to be happy. But I've heard that sometimes in a relationship that one person has to sacrifice their happiness for the other, but I feel like I'm not giving them the love and attention they need. This is a long-distance relationship, and we have never physically met, but we have talked and chatted many times over the course of a year. The problem is I also struggle with depression and have a tendency to not talk to people when I get depressed and fear bringing them down into my sadness and upsetting them. This creates a problem where I sometimes will not talk to them for weeks. In my defense, though, I try to talk to them, but it isn't easy, as they are a high-functioning adult with Asperger's syndrome, and sometimes they have trouble conveying their emotions, but they told me they really want to make this work. I feel like I'm somehow responsible for their overall well-being, and it eats away at me. Is it abusive if I leave the relationship, or would it be worse if I stayed? To be perfectly honest, I'm not sure what to do. Now, I know in the end it ends up being my decision, but I'm very worried that I may be in the wrong, and I could be hearing them more than I'm helping them. Any input or advice is appreciated. Thank you. So, wow, this has so many. I, yeah, I have strong feelings about this one. <laughs> all right. Well, um, I, I'll. How make... about we give it to Nuka first? Uh, ah, but I have my thoughts all. And let's give it to Nuka all first. Right. Go for it. No, go for uh, it. <laughs> all I was going to say is, um, there's a lot of red flags here. Um, ultimately, ask yourself this question: Is this relationship healthy? Are you participating in something that is healthy? That should be your answer. That's all I was going to say. But okay, Nuka, now take it away. 
All right. So um, a relationship, an adult relationship between two, you know, a mutual relationship, a healthy mutual relationship has that mutual component to it. That's the important thing there. In if we're going to talk about a healthy relationship, a healthy relationship has mutual benefits. Both people gain more out of the relationship than they put into it. And that's the key. As soon as relationship becomes one-sided, where one person is is taking a lot more than they're giving from the relationship, it is no longer a healthy relationship. Um, that's not to say that relationships don't have their ups and downs. And maybe if a person's going through a rough spot, you stick with them for it. But if it's going to be like this for the foreseeable future, you're no longer in a, a, a mutually beneficial equal relationship. Now you're in a a relationship where one person has power over the other person or where one person is taking and one person's giving, you may wind up in a, a caregiver relationship where you're not this person's equal. You're now this person's caretaker. So that's a huge red flag for me when you're saying I'm only staying with this person because I'm afraid that they might um, do something to themselves if I leave, that you, this is no longer a mutual relationship. This is no longer you're getting something out of it and they're getting something out of it. And Nuka, um, in your expertise, would you consider somebody saying something like, like that, I don't know, being in some sort of a, some sort of relationship where there's that, that threat or that, that feeling like somebody is going to kill themselves or even if they've threatened it, do, do you feel like that that is somewhat of an abusive relationship? Sorry, I missed the last few words. What you said there. Do I feel like that is um, an abusive relationship? Oh, I again, I hesitate to use the word abusive. I think I think it's Toxic. less important. Is it abusive? And more important, is it harmful or is it a bad relationship? And I would say that in that case, yeah. If the only person, the only reason you're together with someone, or if one of the big reasons you're together with someone is because they're threatening suicide that that is a bad spot to be in and that is not a relationship you should be in um and it's it's a horrible situation to be in because ultimately it, it's playing off of your empathy for this person it's it's no one wants someone else to commit suicide and no one wants to feel like if they do this to them and if they ultimately do this that it's somehow your fault um in the end i think it's necessary for people i mean in the end a person's choice to commit suicide is theirs and theirs alone uh, no one, you know, uh, uh, yeah, if it's, if it's suicide, you're, you're doing it to yourself. And so I think it's, it's really easy to get caught in the trap of thinking if I, if I, the, the only thing keeping them together is me. And if I were to go, I don't know what would happen to them. Even were that the case, and that's not always the case, but even were that the case, that is still ultimately their decision. And it doesn't mean, uh, go tell them, oh, I hope you kill yourself and walk off into the sunset. But it, it does mean, you know, if you're staying for the wrong reasons, if you're staying for that reason, that's not a good reason to stay. And it's only going to get worse, I think, the longer you stay around. The longer you stay around, the more likely it is the person will become dependent on you. The more likely it is um, that it's going to be harder for them to imagine life without you. <clears throat> and it's going to just, just make things worse. And the other thing you have to consider uh, when you're talking about an unequal relationship where one person is constantly taking and another person is is constantly being expected to give, you can't keep that up forever. You know, maybe you're in a, a strong spot. Maybe you're able to, to give supports to this person while they're going through a tough time. But at some point, if they if they wear you down and if they, they, they burn you out as well, well, now both of you are in a dark spot. So it doesn't do them any favors in the long run either to have them 
sort of keep you around until you burn out and now you're both in a, in a, a dark place. So if it's not a, a, a over the long term, if it's not a mutual relationship, if you're not both getting something out of it, then it's it's questionable whether you should be in it. And if that means if the person threatens to, to, to do this to themselves, at some you know you can you can make sure they have a social support network there you can you know call the police and have them do a welfare check but sticking around because you're afraid of what they might do to themselves that's not on you that's not ultimately that's not something that's your that you need to feel guilty for because this is a choice that they make for themselves ultimately it's an interesting thing that that you're (laughs) making me think um which is just from my own experience but there's a point where it goes from helping somebody to they're making you their mental health professional statistically speaking there are seven-ish billion people on the planet and i would venture that this this emailer is not a mental health professional maybe i'm wrong but i'm doubting it just based on statistics right yeah. There is a point where you have to step back and go, I cannot treat this problem. This is this is now something that requires the intervention of a professional. And, you know, you may be suicidal. You may be depressed. I am not a psychologist. I cannot treat this. I'm going to encourage you to get help. And understand that while we all want our friends to be healthy and happy, they have to choose to take the help. It's that it's that old trite saying: you can't, you can take a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You know, yep. at some point, you got to let the reins go and let someone else. I mean, police and welfare checks—they're trained on how to do this sort of thing. They know what yep. to do. They know what they're looking for. I don't know, and it's not my responsibility. I—it's insane. I sound like I'm going to go down to the down the street and go, I think I'm going to be a cobbler today. I'm like, I wouldn't do that. And I wouldn't do that for uh, being a psychologist. You don't want to be fixing shoes. You know what I'm saying though? It's like, <laughs> I don't know why. And it's probably, it, it's that whole bias that we've been talking about, but I'm not going to sit there and suddenly declare that I'm a psychologist because I don't want my friend to suffer. No, I'm going to hand it off because it's healthy for both parties. Well, and remember a relationship, a healthy relationship is a relationship between equals it's 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 a friendship, I guess, with with more to it than that. But ultimately, you're both equals entering into this mutually beneficial relationship. When it starts to switch, it's no longer, as you said, it's it's now a clients or yeah, clients doctor relationship. And if to see how absurd it is, you know, um, it's okay if your your partner has a cold. You know, sure, you 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 can stay home and and you know uh, make some soup for them on the days that they're feeling sick. And if this happens occasionally, that's fine. You know, that, that's being a good partner, that you're there to help them out. But if they're chronically ill with some disease, it's it's you should not be the person who is nurse, trying to nurse them back to health. You need a doctor. You need a professional who is qualified <laughs> to do that. And right? so we can recognize the absurdity when it's a physical ailment. But when we're talking about psychological problems, we seem to be blinded by it. We seem to not realize how absurd it is to expect our uh, expect that people are are. Uh, counselors or clinicians to people uh, or to their partners. So you made some really, really amazing points, and this is all good stuff. And I hate to interrupt, but here's another email. This is from Drawn On. Drawn On. And it is, um, he titled it Emotional Vampires. This is what he had to say. Furries, 
is a very positive and supportive fandom. When someone posts online that they're depressed, people like to step forward to say positive and encouraging things. But sometimes the depressive person never seems to deal with their depression and over several months will keep on posting the same sort of thing as if they made as if they have a constant need for attention or quick cheer me up conversations. And if they latch on to a person who's extremely kind and helpful, they can take advantage and eventually burn them out. You may call them emotional vampires. The problem is they distract us from people who are genuinely depressed and real depression may take a long time to deal with, especially if you're stuck in a bad situation at home or at work or at school. There, there may be season, seasonal or chemical reasons behind depression, and many of us simply need to get rid of stress by complaining, even if it's about small first world problems. An emotional vampire um, 40th cry for help can sound the same as their first. It can sound the same as a genuinely depressed person's cry for help. So if you feel like they're saying something positive to somebody, oh, sorry, if you feel like saying something positive to someone, do it. Every little bit of kindness helps. Just be aware if it starts to feel like the person is treating the symptoms and not the cause, maybe you need to let them find their own strength. You can't help everyone out. Try your best, but if you need to replenish your own energy, never let anyone make you feel guilty if you need to take a step back. I think you um, definitely pointed out some great points. And one of the things that that um, pulled up for me is is I, I see this happen all the time. Everything's great. And they, they put on this facade of being happy, go lucky. But, you know, they're the ones that are deep down and depressed. And so you don't know who the individual is that really needs to be helped helped. And I think that the great point in this, um, this email was basically, if you feel like saying something positive to somebody, then do it. You know, spread a little bit of kindness to everybody, not just the person that's having a problem. Spread it to everybody. Even if that person doesn't look like that they're having a bad day, smile at them and say, hey, how you doing? You know, is that your final thought? Yeah. Okay, I'll do mine and then we'll give it to Nuka because I'm sure you have powerful words waiting for us. Here's my final my final thought is this. Um, there, I mean, I've said a lot of things, but number one, make sure whatever you're doing is healthy. It's, it's super important to do what's healthy. Now, there's an element of people, and I used to be one of them, that believe so much in altruism that being selfless is a good thing. I understand what that's like. I really do. There's nothing more pleasing than making a friend smile for me. Bottom line. However, here's the big but, there's nothing noble about killing yourself to help someone else. 
there's nothing noble about helping someone and giving of yourself so selflessly that you are no longer healthy. You need to take a step back if you're one of those people and just make sure that your reality check matches what I just said. That's that's my final thought because you other people want to enjoy your company too. And if you've run yourself into the ground trying to help other people, you are not going to be around for other people who want to enjoy your company. So that's my final thought on that. All right, Nuka. Yeah, so I both disagree and agree with parts of the, the email. So the part I disagree with is the idea, and I've seen this in the fandom a lot, is you make a distinction between, oh, this person has depression versus this person is an attention whore. We say, oh, this person's an attention whore. Um, it's a perfectly natural human thing to want attention. Um, and some people definitely want more attention. Some people want less attention. But we're so quick to demonize people and say, oh, they want too much attention, uh, so they're a bad person. And it's really easy to... Um, to say, oh, they, they want too much attention or they don't have depression because they're always whining about it and the real person to be concerned about is the person you, you don't hear. That's not necessarily true. I think um, you know how depression manifests itself can, can differ dramatically. Um, so I'd be hesitant to say people who always need your attention are the ones who don't deserve it and people who, who very rarely ask for it are the ones who do um, or to use that as any kind of indicator as to whether a person actually has depression. So I want to get that out of the way. That said, the, the, the kernel of truth in that email is that regardless of whether or not this person you know, uh, uh, has clinical depression or not, regardless of, of – uh, whether or not their their cries for attention are are what you consider valid or not, the point is, don't be someone's therapist unless you're professionally trained. That's not that's not your job. What you need to do is be people's friends, be supportive, and um, like you said, Tugs, don't uh, don't be in relationships where you're constantly giving and not getting anything back from it. Uh, avoid very one sided relationships. So. For a person who you might consider to be an attention whore, that you might say, oh, I, I, that person asked for help way more than I'm prepared to give it, then maybe you don't offer help to that person. Maybe you say, look, I, I can't give you the attention that you that you need. You need to go see someone else for it, but I, I just I can't be the one to provide that for you. So it's not, it's not a matter of, oh, you're a bad person for wanting this, or I'm going to judge. It's what you need, I can't give you, and it's as simple as that. You're That's asking for five cups of sugar, and I've only got one and a half available sort of yeah. thing. Yeah. Just rec recognize what you can and can't give. Don't judge the person. It's that person, for whatever reason, if they need that much attention, they need that much attention. Some people don't need any attention. There's nothing wrong with that as well. Um, it's for what, whatever reason that person is is in that position, that's what it is. And uh, yeah, just recognize, hey, that's, that's something I can't handle. Uh, we, we can't, yeah, I, I can't be in a relationship with you, friend or otherwise. All right. Well, with that, we're going to close the segment. Where's the sound effect for closing the segment? Okay, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so we will be back with the mailbag and some lovely housekeeping enjoy, in a minute. Enjoy 50 Shades of Grey. You're listening to For What It's Worth. Brought to you by For What It's Worth Brand Gymnasium and Health Club. If you're looking for something beefy, think For What It's Worth. It's the start of a new year. Out with the old and don't let the doorknob hit you on the way out, I say. 
Now's the perfect time to start a healthy new trend. And we've got just the thing to help you work up a sweat. The For What It's Worth brand Gymnasium and Health Club is your one stop for improving your diet and getting more exercise. We've the latest and greatest equipment from free weights to this fancy new contraption that lets you run in place called a conveyor belt. Are stairs your thing? We've got loads of them. And don't worry about getting in someone's way. They don't go anywhere, so no one important will ever need to use them. Try our sauna, where you can warm things up, alone or with friends. We've got a swimming pool for anyone looking to get wet. And if you're so inclined, come try one of our shiny new gaming courts. Perfect for public displays of sport. Now everyone can watch you play with our balls. All for what it's worth brand, of course. Getting too tired to carry on? No need to worry. Our professional fitness experts will happily complete your workout for you. They'll sweat so you don't have to. You can just sit there and watch as they flex their well-toned bodies right in front of you in those skimpy, skin-tight outfits of theirs. I hope you've worked up an appetite, because the For What It's Worth brand health club will make sure you're eating right. They'll also make sure you're eating left and center. Try any of our numerous options, loaded with carbohydrates and protein to make sure you bulk up. No grain, no gain, right? Why, you'll be in shape in no time. For What It's Worth brand gymnasium and health club. You'll keep this going for more than just two weeks, right? Right? And now for today's secret code. 18, 15, 21, 14, 4, 9, 19, 1, 19, 8, 1, 16, 5. Good luck. Oh, you can click it for me now. Is this a, so you're actually going to produce? There you go. That's that's good. I'm glad that you're giving me direction on this, you know, and, and being able to handle. Well, you were. Well, there you go. McRib. It's few people know the McRib is actually inspired by Fifty Shades of Grey. Because... It's basically two hot dogs cut in half and slathered with barbecue sauce. So you get exactly that experience, but it's in a McDonald's. So therefore, it's even better because it's a hot dog cut in half, slathered in crappy barbecue sauce, and in a McDonald's. I cannot think of any better description of Fifty Shades of Grey than that. It is the McRib of publishing. We're, you just pressed a button again. That was my intro. Oh, I see. So you can explain how this technology works these days. I like it. We can't put more enunciation. Sit down, Pinky. It's all good. All right, you ready for this? Podcast listeners, can you prepare yourself for this? Because we're going in hot. We're going to do this UFC style. 50 Sheds of Grey, the UFC edition. Excuse me. No, we can't do that. That's copyright violations. 50 Sheds of Grey. Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. 
You buy a ticket, but you only need the seat's edge. I don't know why I said that either. It's terrible. I've screwed up that entire section. Just turn it off. I hope that you enjoyed that lovely, lovely segment from the Rabbit Valley people. Thank you very much. Great. Just so you guys know, Fifty Shots are great. He get he's drinking more as we're recording those, so <laughs> like it's going to get really funny soon. Don't don't worry if you're not loving it right now. I promise that it's it's going to get better. So we have an our lovely. Oh well, I think you have a button that you need to press. Sorry. All right. We've pulled the zipper down. It's time for the mailbag. So we have lovely, lovely, sexy letters from our listeners. Sexy letters. Listen to you talk. <laughs> I'm just starting this. All right. This one's from Dave Linfair. He says, hello, I want to thank you for the nice podcast. Currently, I'm listening back at season one. I have a question. I want to date someone who I have no chance of meeting in real life. I want to date because I want someone I can do things together with her. So, can I date online? And if so, how? I hope you will answer my question. Sincerely, Dave Linfair. Um, This is the year 2017, Dave. And this isn't 10 years ago. You can freely admit you're dating someone through the web and everyone's okay with it. It's no longer taboo, at least in Western society. Um, So go for it. However, word of caution, you will eventually want to get together at some point. It is the inevitable conclusion of a healthy start on the internet and become a real relationship scenario. So if you will never, ever be able to meet, you will have a hard time eventually at some point. That being said, if you prepare for it and save your pennies, or I don't know what you spend where you live, but the equivalent of pennies, uh, then hopefully you can have the positive end. And that's mine. Rue. My personal opinion is, is if you want to get some good advice about it, listen to our long-distance relationship episode. <laughs> of course, he's going to market the show. <laughs> awesome. Yep. yep, it's on our site. And what about you, Nuka? What do you think? Um, I'll 95% agree with Tugs. Um, I, it, it can absolutely work. Um, I, I, where I disagree is I, um, you may not necessarily even want to ever meet up. If you're quite convinced that you don't ever want to meet up and that you can make this work, and so long as it's making you happy, whatever you've got, don't let anyone tell you what it ought to be. Um, more likely than not, you'll want to meet up with this person. Um, but yeah, it's. I think the, the bigger question is as you're involved in it, as time goes on, as long as you continue to be happy in it and get more out of it than you're putting into it, um, yeah, it's do you. Do whatever makes you happy. All right. We have another email from Jason. He says, things to say. Okay, today I'm asking something I want to know. Let's see. Well, I've known about furry since I was seven, and kids hated me because I'm a furry. What do I do? Are you currently seven? That's my... <laughs> um, I would just say, you know, my personal opinion is, is that, you know, who cares what people think? You know, I, I understand that, you know, you know, if you're always going around worrying about what other people think of you, you're never not, you're never going to accomplish anything in life. 
You'll just wind up hosting a podcast. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. What do you think, Nuka? Um, so it was a little bit vague there. I guess I would suggest um, a lot of furries get bullied. A lot of furries have a history of being bullied, and they find solace in the fandom. The fandom is, for many furries, the first place that they find where they can fit in and where they can truly be themselves. So when people in your life are kind of sucky when you if you can't find good friends sort of in person or at school or if you get picked on a lot um turn to the furry fandom and that's where you'll you'll find a lot of friends um that said it's also worth um making sure that that uh i guess you, you try to minimize the amount of uh bullying that you experience i guess and there's some things you can do so it, it, i guess it depends on whether you're you know are you still in school are you um uh out of you know are you out of school are you college that sort of thing um but i guess i would say if you know that you're you're getting picked on being free at school or whatever um you know uh i guess spend less time with people there or, or spend less time um flying uh, it's the difference between being idealistic and realistic idealistically it would be great if everyone could fly the furry freak flag and and do you um but being practical um yeah don't don't share your, your furriness of people if they're going to give you a hard time for it and just hang out with more furries I guess hang out with people who will like you for, not even necessarily furries people who are fur friendly people who like you for who you are and not give you a hard time for it alright next um, oh by the way sorry thank you Dave and is it Jason yes thank you um, next we have uh, it's Mika Mika is it Mika for sure or is it Micah yes no no it is Mika She's she's been a good friend of mine for okay. a very very long time. In fact, she was one of the the first um, furries that befriended me a long long time ago. Okay, well, she says, "Dear, for what it's worth, cast I'm Mika the Bunny Fox with an I." This is a bit late, uh, if it makes it all, but I've been lucky enough to have had an eventful year with many things to be grateful for. I am grateful I was able to travel across part of the country in a new route. I'm grateful I was able to reconnect with old friends, meeting a dear old friend and his boyfriend, having a couple precious hours of catching up. Is that you, Rue? Yeah, that was me. She came and visited me. Cool. Being able to meet my little niece for the first time since she came into the world. I'm grateful I'm now only 10 minutes from the ocean. Grateful I'm finally getting my life on track, finding gainful employment, and on my way to a professional career. I'm grateful for the new start here in California. I'm grateful that there is a nearby active furry community. For the first time in six years, I'll be revisiting Further Confusion. So will I. Which was my first ever fur con. You should meet up with her while you're there. I, I love drinking with show listeners. She's awesome. Um, I'm grateful for an amazing podcast with wonderful hosts and a cast who never disappoint with content and care so much for their listeners. Thank you all for your hard work and sacrifice. But most of this year, I'm grateful for my husband of two years, partner of six years. He's been with me at my worst, and he's with me at my best. He has been my rock and is always loving and encouraging. He's my better half and the only person who will ever understand my crazy logic and weird sense of humor. I am forever grateful he came into my life and decided to stay. I'm sorry if it's a bit, but it has been a very good year, and I have so much to feel grateful for. Sincerely, Mika the Glowing Bunny Fox. I I don't know what to say to that. I, that was just full of warm fuzzies. Warm fuzzies. I'm glad that you are going to be reinvolved in the community. It's wonderful. It's a wonderful place. And when you turn 30, if you're not 30 yet, don't leave. Just saying. I'm changing. I am changing that statistic, sir. What the? I, I now turn 30, and I'm I'm defying it as well. So I'm. 
the back the background on this is if you want to see this yourself, we have a YouTube video. But uh, well, yeah, I'm sorry, Nuke. I guess I'm kind of stealing from you. But apparently, people leave the fandom when they're 30. I don't know what the deal is, but I'm not. I'm not going. Well, not, not specifically at 30, but there's a huge drop off starting at 25, and by 30, only 10% of furries are are still around. <laughs> I'm changing that. <laughs> All right, Rue. All right, and then we have another email here. Are you not going to respond? Uh, well, oh, yeah, totally I'll respond to that. I just... <laughs> She's my good friend. I don't care to answer you. What? <laughs> <laughs> no, I... You know, I am... All I can respond is that I'm grateful for her. She's so awesome. And, you know, sometimes... Sometimes she's really shy and, you know, but overall, like, because of her, she she introduced me into the fandom. Because of her, for what it's worth, exists. Because, <laughs> you know, and she she's helped our show in the past. She's given us art in the past and helped us out in that way. And This um, is what I'm going to do. She's, she's an amazing supporter of our show. So I'm grateful for her. Okay, well, there we go. All right, and our last email is from Addie. He says, hey, y'all, it's Addie again. I think if I, I would have written this email just a few short weeks ago, I would have told you I had nothing to be thankful for. Not because I'm not glad to have the fortune of living in great conditions with tons of opportunity and people who care for me, but more because I felt I didn't deserve to have these things and that I wasn't any good at the things I loved and would end up failing as an actor and a singer. Uh, I also felt that everyone in my life would stop loving me when they found out about my sexual and gender identities. I'm beginning to feel like I'm worth something again, and that I can like who I am. I think it's because I finally got help and medication for the severe anxiety and panic attacks I've been struggling with since I was about eight. The last few days I've had this amazing feeling, and it didn't hit me until last night this amazing feeling is what normal feels like. I feel the same as I did when I was a very young child before all this fear and self-hatred was thrust on me. Now I feel like I deserve my good fortune and love what I receive and I'm eternally grateful for it. I don't feel like I'm doomed for failure in my life goals. And on top of that, I've started being more open about my identity in my school. I'm a theater dork and I decided to be more open about my sexuality around the open-minded circles of students. My best friend is still the only one who knows I'm non-binary, but we would never mention it. Now we talk about it a lot more and I feel comfortable. I'm finally ready to tell my family I'm by after the holidays, of course, because I don't want that shit to go down at the Christmas dinner table. So I guess overall what I'm saying is I'm thankful now that at least 80% of the time the monster that is anxiety that has consumed me since I was a child is gone. I'm bigger and stronger than it is. I'm no longer held captive within my own head, and I feel like I'm really free for the first time I can remember. So happy furry holidays and a very merry Yithmas to you all, Addie. Yithmas. I would like you to know that I am insanely jealous because when I went to school, and especially where I went to school, uh, and there was no open circles like that. So I'm happy for you. All right, Rue. I think it's awesome that you are going to tell your family that you are bisexual. I think Bicycle. that's really, um, really amazing that you're, you're doing that. Um, I know for my family, I didn't share that advice. I've already told, I mean, I didn't, sorry. Wow. I'm all over the place today, but I didn't share that with my family. And so therefore it, it caused a lot of distrust, distrust in my family, and um, they they played the card of why didn't you tell us? Instead, they found out about it. So I think it's good that you are being upfront about it. 
Okay, so that's it for the mailbag. Unless you have anything, Nuka, did you want to add? Um, just don't don't ever tell yourself that you don't deserve good things, and uh, good luck to you uh, in coming out. And uh, hopefully that goes uh, goes well for you. That that isn't all for the mailbag. Tugs. No, no, no. I'm 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 swapping this around. We're gonna do the mini game first because uh, I want you but, to just yep. It's here. I know, but I I'm doing to this open it soon. Okay, so <laughs> we don't have a full game for you, Nuka, because that's just how you're special you are. But we have a mini game because we sell one question. So, okay. so you ready? So this is sure. Oaken's question. Thanks to Patreon. Remember, we want your money. Um, it is. <laughs> here's his question. What is? And you can't look this up. What is the topic of For What It's Worth, Episode Season 3, Episode 5? Butts. Butts. You were very close. In fact, it's Rue's favorite thing, which is... Transformation! Yay! I'm sorry, but you did not get it right. So here's the losing sound. <laughs> no, he likes being anal. No, that can't be the losing sound. <laughs> uh, yes, it is. Okay, uh. okay. So there's some background. We have received a parcel in the PO box, uh, which again means that we have to keep it open. As long as someone keeps sending stuff to it, we're going to keep paying for it. But the minute people stop, we're just killing it. Um, so, so please send stuff. So this is from this is from one of our listeners. Here, let me give you the address. After, oh yes, but I'll do it right now. It's for what it's worth. One seven six zero west two one zero zero south and that's p.o box two five three nine four all right i'm gonna open this box wait there's background so i said i i i I, we say stuff on the show and occasionally we remember what we say but this isn't one of those times um, I said, I want this thing, and I expect someone in the in the audience to do this and send us this thing, and they did it. So, Cody, what you're about to hear, this is all you, man, all you. I think it's brilliant. I think we're going to enjoy it a lot. Rue, what do you think is in that box? I hope it's not fox condoms like you, you got a long time. I'm standing up to see this. Okay. I don't know. Okay, um, well, first of all, describe what's on this box. Well... Looks like penises. No, no, it's a secret oh, just Santa. Kidding. Secret Santa. There's like a, there's like paintings of Santa on it and stuff. I'm so excited. Okay, open it. Why am I excited? It's like Christmas. This is great. What if it like jumps out? Oh yay! What is it? What's it? What is it? It says, "Eat a bag of dicks." <laughs> Someone sent us a bag of dicks. <laughs> so wait, but wait, Sorry, but wait. Nika. This is, there's a coupon on here. Oh, what? I didn't see that. Use Got Dicks for 20% off at <laughs> dicksbymail.com. So someone sent us a bag of dicks in the mail. Now they're edible, thankfully. So Yes, they are edible. <laughs> they're gummy candies, bag of dicks. I, I, I about crashed when I opened that. I want you to know. Why did you open it? Because I needed to make sure it wasn't a bomb. Oh, okay. Or, or cookies that were perishable. Uh, well, no, actually, I thought it might be perishable. That's really why I opened it. But so, yeah. are we going to get a dick eating review? Yeah. Why don't you open that bag of dicks and put one in your mouth? Okay, I will. <laughs> I'm innocent. I want to point that out. This is pretty fantastic. All right, I am thrilled we got this bag of dicks. Like, seriously, these dicks smell good. <laughs> Pass me a dick, will you? Oh, oh, wait! He he just put a big red one in his mouth. Mm. 
All right. Um, Red rocket. There's something. Uh, I gotta bring my mic down. Um, there's something attached to this. Um, eat a bag of dicks, jelly dicks. So here's what goes into jelly dicks. Nuka, have you ever wondered what's in a jelly dick? I stay up at night sometimes thinking about that. Oh. <laughs> well, here's the answer. Glucose syrup, sorbitol, sugar, water, gelatin, acid-treated starch, malic acid, citric acid, and carnauba wax. Also, your, your dick's going to fall off for you because it has red 40, yellow 5, yellow 6, and blue 1. Dummy. Yeah. So it, taste one. Okay. Well, first of all, tell us what you think. I, I'm gonna th- I think I will also have a red dick. Oh my god, this is the most adorable little gummy ever. I'm going to bite just the tip. I'm going <laughs> to Just the tip? Mazeltov. Mm. See, you know. <laughs> okay. I only wish I could be there experiencing it with you in Do, person. Hey, we have a coupon. We can send you 20% off a bag of dicks. Oh my God. All you have to do is go to go to that website and type in "got dicks." <laughs> Why are we advertising for these people? I don't know because it's pretty awesome. Mmm, <laughs> mm. this is a this is a cherry dick, and I, it's really good. We never. Corey, mm, Corey this tastes out. like a Christmas dick. Mmm. <laughs> All right. It's green apple. Mmm. Mm. Well, Cody, I just want to thank you. I you have officially given the cast. Dicks. That was that was a good present. Dicks for Christmas. Dicks for Christmas. Oh, and there's 76 calories for every four dicks you eat. Do these have juice inside? <laughs> <laughs> no comments. Hmm. They're good. I could suck on these all day. Have you commented? I feel like that makes you like the tagline. It's time to be reminded in. Housekeeping. <laughs> it's time for housekeeping. Not back at Dick's time? Uh, well. I guess we're done with that. Yeah, we're done. So, make sure that you comment on the site. It Why? makes us look like that we actually have people that care about us. And 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 <laughs> if you haven't checked out the new site, it has been overhauled. Yes, that's why Nuka doesn't have his mic yet. I'm going to eat another dick. Um, and... <laughs> Um, but yeah, it's got a new theme, a new layout. I think I pretty much moved it all over, so we hope you like it. Could it you, is it is mobile friendly. Could you pass me Cody's sticks? Yeah. Here. Right. I want Cody's sticks. These are delicious. Right, um, we also want to thank our support cast. We want to thank Koru for being alive. We want to thank Firebreath. <laughs> no, that is terrible. <laughs> but Koru winds up all the cables. And Firebreath is just an awesome Canadian who does our announcements. So, thank you. And we want to thank all of our interstitials and rabbit valley and nuka for coming on our show today yes so nuka pimp yourself speaking of awesome canadians um nice yeah so so uh yeah check out our uh research website if you go furryresearch.org uh or furscience.com check uh check out all the work that we're doing on furries uh, and check us out if we uh, are coming to a convention near you. I think we'll be at Anthrocon and Furry Fiesta for sure this year. Uh, and there's a couple other ones that we'll be adding to the lists uh, very likely, including potentially Euroference for the first time. Are you going um, to Euroference? I'm not. My oh. colleague is, and it makes me very jealous. We should we should just go anyway. Anyway, just to stick it to them. Right. And also, for people who like the um, Get Psyched segment with Dr. Nuka, uh, do feel free to submit your suggestions uh, to, for what it's worth for future segments. I'd love to 
uh, do some segments on pressing psychological questions or just things you've always wondered about psychology, and I'll uh, be happy to do a segment for it. He's not kidding. Um, oh, and one more thing, like I mentioned before, but Nuka's video that he did uh, for us, he re-recorded his FC panel. Uh, it is on YouTube. Just search for Furry Psychology. Uh, you'll find it. It's on the For What It's Worth channel. We don't have a short little link. I, it's like YouTube.com slash blah, 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 and it won't matter. So just search for it. And it's for it. Chinese as well. <laughs> right, right. So Shu, who I believe lives in China somewhere, either China or Taiwan. Sorry if I messed that up. He did. Uh, he spent a few months transcribing everything you said ungodly amount of time i'm so impressed yeah and uh there's we've gotten maybe 35 or 40 subscribers now on the channel from china just because of that video and it's been really cool so if you happen to speak chinese and want to read the subtitles instead of listen to nuka's sultry tones that's an option now (laughs) one thing we do want to ask people um is if you like the show tell a friend just tell them just say hey listen to this cool podcast for what it's worth you know, because what will happen is one out of every three people will eventually donate to Patreon and we can make a better show. See how this works? Rue's over there like choking on a dick. I don't know what's going on. I'm eating all the dicks. <laughs> They're so good. And he's also eating gummies. Yeah. yeah. Did you find the juicy one? What? <laughs> I have double, double dicks. Mm. Okay. okay. Um, all right. But make sure that you... Um, also, with the, the show, please participate in our Telegram group. We if love, you're 18. Yeah. <laughs> we love talking to you. Please feel free to go in there, post whatever you would like. Except porn. Oh. Well, you, there, can, you can PM that to Tugs. Yeah, please and, do. And PM that to me because I'm innocent and I need to be corrupted. So... <laughs> All right, so the next episode is three question marks. So, Rue, it's time for us to make some choices. Um, do we want to do video games? Ooh. It's been a while. We can do video games. Um, or we can have Donald Trump. We did talk about those two. Do we I wanna... also thought about a third one. Okay. Things I hate about the fandom. Oh, let's do that. Are you sure? Yeah. Okay. So here's your time. To rise and shine. <laughs> to show your bitchiness. And to stand up and say, this is what I hate about the furry community. I hate for what it's worth. It's terrible. So please send us as much hate mail. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> I don't want show hate mail. I just want to know what annoys people about the fandom. You know what grinds my tail? What? That's perfect. That's what we'll call it. I'll send you some data on it. We just finished doing a study on this exact topic. Oh, well, maybe you're a guest again. <laughs> what are you doing in two weeks? Uh, I guess I'm being on the show in two weeks. <laughs> so, what you hate about the fandom. What what emails do we want them to send? Uh, what do you mean? like? I don't know. Like where they're sending them? Your question is vague. I will say this, though. You have one extra week. Our next del- Our next episode is delayed one week because of FC. I'm going to FC and I'm not working on the show. So... You've got one extra week. Make it count. I want to know what you hate. Tell me what drives you crazy about the fandom. What was the question you asked on your survey? Can you tell us? Uh, We specifically asked, uh, list things that you dislike about the fandom, and then I coded them and figured out which were the most popular. So Ah. I can give you like a list of like the most popular hated things in the fandom. Don't don't spoil it, but I'm betting number one is those damn baby furs. Ooh, 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 ooh. Just give us one. 
One. But not number one. Not number one. Just give us one. No, now this is motivation for you to bring me on the show again. Yeah. Mm, darn it. It's like the news teasers. Okay, let's let's close this up. So This oh. is this is Rue eating a bag of dicks. <laughs> God. This is Tugs. Not eating a bag of dicks. Oh, he stole my line. This is Nuka hating that Tugs stole my line. <laughs> <laughs> and you're listening to For what, for it's, what worth. it's worth. So weird that you're listening to.